Hey guys, just before we start the podcast today, uh, Harry and I just wanted to share the situation of a very good friend of ours, uh, Pete Rasmussen. Um, his wife is uh, currently going through a very tough cancer battle and just this week, Peter himself was diagnosed with uh, an inoperable brain tumour. Pete's an absolute legend or rasser, as we call him, and Tails and I have spent many times in the uh, in the cricket field just talking absolute crap. Um, I've learned a lot Pete, from Rass. I've learned a lot. He's one of our, one of our great... Keepers at North Hobart Cricket Club, so he's a, he's a great man, and uh, yeah, he's got three three amazing kids. So we're just trying to help out where we can. They do, and uh, there is a GoFundMe page uh, to raise some funds to help keep the family fighting through this um, this very difficult time. Uh, the link's going to be in the podcast description, and also if you go to uh, at hvdw7 and at Marcus underscore Taylor sixteen to our Twitter page, uh, you'll be able to see the uh, the link to the GoFundMe page there. And um, please do help us support a, uh, a beautiful family in need. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of On The Outside, the sports podcast that will help you chat sports to your mates, especially if you don't know anything about sport. Tails, welcome. I can see you've got a little soda lemon water there today. That's nice. Yes, pure, purely soda lemon water. It might have a, a tiny splash of straight bat single malt in the, uh, just, just to top it off nicely. I certainly hope you're not wasting uh, pod sponsor straight bat single malt with your uh, soda water and lime but anyway i'll trust that you're not don't be, don't be a whiskey snob you can drink whiskey however you enjoy it that's the point of it don't be a snob just because it's a high quality product doesn't mean you have to be snobbish about it, it can be enjoyed at dinner with the king or at you know at dinner with your kin it doesn't no, matter you're right I shouldn't, I shouldn't be snobbish about uh, destroying one of tasmania's finest whiskeys <laughs> correct tell us thing few things uh, to kick off today's pod with. Uh, the Wallabies managed to, by the skin of their teeth, hold on to a, a 30-year record against the French. You know, the Wallabies. I, this, were they playing, were they? They were playing, and France hadn't beaten uh, Australia in rugby for thirty over 30 years in Australia, and they uh, still haven't done so with the Wallabies managing to hold on with a late penalty goal, so... Some exciting news out of rugby land. Mm, no, that's great. Um, really good for them. And can you can you name me three players that currently play for the Wallabies? I could, with a little bit of research, I could. <laughs> if I looked it up, I James could O'Connor it. still playing. <laughs> oh, they were halcyon days, weren't they? Quick one, just before we move on. Did you happen to watch uh, Seven Plus last night? Did you happen to watch? the announcement for the flag bearers no uh, for the australian olympic i didn't i didn't watch but i did catch them who were, i have forgotten though who were they we we've got patty mills and uh, and kate campbell which i feel is a fairly predictable mix but i think the first time since the montreal games that we've had uh, two flag bearers for uh, for an opening ceremony why why have, why have we gone two flag bearers what's Oh, well, I'm sorry. Why, the, the bigger question is why haven't we gone two flag bearers in the past? It makes it makes sense. I think it's because we're taking a much more uh, inclusive approach and a much more mature approach to how these honours are, are handed out. Because otherwise, you're choosing between you know the closing ceremony person is generally a person that did well in that Olympics, 
So you're essentially, you're going to have to choose between Kate Campbell and Patty Mills. And then the AOC is sitting around and going, why, why choose? We'll just pick both Two of gold them. medals. And less doors. Two gold medals, you reckon? I'm very nervous about the, uh, the boom, but we'll get to that. Absolutely. Now, Tails, just before we move on from the Olympics, we have had requests come in for... And many requests. It's hard to get, you know, go through them all. Yes, but luckily we have a lot of people we work with, interns. That yeah, we've had to hire another, more we staff. And, yeah. Well, the economy's going well, though. Uh, before, yes, before we move on, we have had a lot of requests for a special uh, Olympics pod, um, which we will be doing closer to the start of the Games. So look out for that one. We'll go through... Um, you know, all our athletes as far as what our biggest chances are in and, and way up. Um, there's maybe some hometown heroes as well mm. um, and, our, and our best chances. So looking forward to that episode. So keep that in mind. Can't wait for Advantis. Advantis, of course, the big news in AFL circles this week is amazingly a team that sits, I think, 16th on the ladder. Because, of course, Alistair Clarkson has announced that he will not continue at Hawthorne beyond 2022, his current contract. And, in fact, is part of a succession plan with Sam Mitchell. What do you make of it? First response. Well, first response, I just wanted to double-check. Did Clarkson announce it or did Hawthorne announce it? Well, Hawthorne announced it, but apparently it was Clarko's idea three weeks ago. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Initial thoughts are that they, the Buckley moving on from Collingwood has forced a few things to happen out there in the, uh, in coach land and put everyone under a little bit of pressure. And um, essentially they, they wanted to lock um, Sam Mitchell in is what I feel like it was and not leave him on the Why that is? Why? Why do you want to lock Sam Mitchell in? I'm just saying, I'm, take a step back out of this at the moment. You've got, Alistair Clarkson, arguably the, the best coach of the last 30 years. Sam Mitchell has never coached, never coached a game at AFL level. And there's 16 other clubs that will probably take Clarkson in a heartbeat. So if he's the best coach in the game and we love him, why did you need to get rid of him? You're essentially saying that Sam Mitchell in five years' time is going to be a better coach than Alistair Clarkson. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I guess they're uh, they're hedging their bets, tails, as far as um, deciding that you know they've had Clarko for a long time now. What's it been? How, how many years has it been? Two thousand seventeen. So not many coaches last mm. longer than that. Yes, uh, you know he might be a better coach than him in five years, but maybe not at Hawthorne as they're thinking. Um, you don't get many coaches that have you know one club for twenty years that are that are continually going well. So they're hedging their bets. The relationship's going to end in the next five years anyway. They see uh, Mitchell as, a, as a, positive, um, a positive step for the club, so they've decided to move on it earlier rather than later, I guess, is the, uh, is the reasoning. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, particularly when succession plans, Fanders, probably don't always work. Do you think, like everyone always points to Paul Ruse, and uh, he's a man very close to your heart, having delivered you some of the greatest days of your life. I've delivered my children. <laughs> he had your children. How did do, do you think we get sucked in a bit too easily to think that oh well, it worked with Paul Roos, so it's going to work here? Well, succession plans have worked not well at all, um, and the media has been bringing that up quite a lot over the last yeah, they do that, yeah, <laughs> few days. Uh, I guess overall, the, the media reaction has been negative 
um, about it. But to get back to your question, I think the, uh, yeah, the Ruse Longmire was quite successful. And then they also talked about um, the Buckley succession plan from Malthouse was not very successful. And a lot of it felt like a, uh, it felt, sorry, like a forced, a forced succession plan with Malthouse who, mm. who clearly wasn't happy about it. The one difference I would say that may have made the Ruse Longmire succession plan successful is mm. Sydney's a great club, great culture. Yeah, okay. But the actual reason, the actual reason, um, Maybe that Ruse was retiring and he was he was determined to retire. Mm. So he said, look, this is going to be my last year. Let's get a plan. And it was him making that decision rather than the club saying, we sort of need you to move on. You've been here long enough. So how can we do this in a way that looks like we're doing it with a united front? Mm. The, I mean, Essendon, obviously a team very close to my heart. That is a warning for you about four successions. Not that uh, John Worsfold was the legacy coach that Alistair Clarkson is and, and Ben Rutten obviously wasn't the the club legend that Sam Mitchell is, but it was horrible last year and they lost three of their best players because of it and somehow lucked into, into becoming a better team this year. So I would, I would definitely warn against it. Do you, what do you think, just before we leave this topic, his management has come out on Thursday and said, you know what, he's absolutely honouring the contract. He's going to coach next year. Do you think we're going to hear about this until round one, 2022, about whether or not Alistair Clarkson's leaving? Well, two, two points to your question there, Tails, is if he, my gut is if he gets a good offer from another club, mm. he'll take that and damn the contract. And secondly, if he doesn't, we're still going to hear this annoying media speculation week in, week out until the end of 2022, mm. which is going to be a drain on the club, fans, players, um, and then the coaching staff. Mm. So, Do you think it's better for the club then just to just to say, all right, skedaddle then? If it's going to be that difficult, and having been through it with us, it is difficult. If it is going to be that difficult, do you think they, Hawthorne should actually say, you know what, go, be free? Well, yes, if he wants to go. But the thing is, you can't fire Clarkson, four-time premiership coach, mm. uh, a year before his contract's out, which is why I think they've gone the succession plan. Um, so, you know, you can't, just because Mitchell's available and you want him, doesn't you can't fire your four-time premiership coach. So they've had a succession plan to get that extra year. Um, so they might even be hoping that, that Clarkson decides to leave and then it's on him and they haven't, they haven't kicked him out, which essentially they may have. Now, that's being devil's advocate, of, of course, but... I don't think that's, it is being devil's advocate. I think that's being very close to the truth. And I think this is a situation where literally every party in here is going, is waiting for the other one to blink. And because they're both so stubborn, I think we're going, I think he's going to coach Hawthorne round one, 2022, and it's going to linger on all year and be a horrible year for Hawthorne supporters because neither of them are backing down. Well, keep an eye on this space. Just before we go, one last thing on this particular topic. Mm. I did notice an interesting comment from uh, Will Schofield from um, West Coast. He said that without Sam Mitchell as assistant coach, they would never have won the 2018 flag. Do you think Adam Simpson Simpson should take some sort of offense? Is he getting on the phone to Will? He says, listen, son, I got you to 200 games. I got that medal around your neck. Are you serious? Come on, Will.
tales. It's not time for hot takes yet. However, we'll talk about it later, but I have just banked one. England Ooh. have made their way into the final of Euros. What? 2020, 2021, uh, with an exciting extra time 2-1 win over Denmark this morning. Did you catch any of the game? No. No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't get... We talked about this last week. I'm not going to get suckered in to supporting England just because we have a vague association with them. It's not for me. Well, it's coming it home was, for you. It's not for me. It was very exciting. Oh, Dutch, what do you mean? Some, somewhat controversial, though. There was a penalty to, to England that really looked quite soft and not a lot of contact. And for some reason, the VAR wasn't used. I just wasn't available. Um, I don't know. It was amazing how it happened. Yeah, our guy only works 90 minutes. He said he wasn't getting overtime to do extra time. So he's like, nah, fuck that. I'm out. Well, I did want to touch on on the Danes briefly. Hmm. Um, everyone's talked about an amazing tournament they've had, especially with one of their players collapsing uh, in the group stage and essentially dying on the field, hmm. was resuscitated on the field as well in front of the player. So for a team that's not not one of the powerhouses of Europe to, to, to deal with that. One of their best players as well. And then come through um, to the semi-final against England away from home. Um, pretty impressive. Um, especially their keeper, Ericsson, had an absolute ripper game, 10 plus saves. So, uh, and even saved the penalty um, that England scored from sort of with a rebound. So heartbreaking for, for the Danish. And what a show of courage. And they certainly haven't lost any fans. No, that's certainly true. That is Ben, as I've been spending a lot of time, of course, watching the NBA playoffs, as no doubt you have been too. I'm, I'm sure of that. Isn't that right? Yep. Love basketball. Yeah, sweet. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that very shortly. Just wanted to gauge your reaction on Ben Simmons, who we've done on the podcast, I think, for a couple of weeks, or at least a couple of weeks ago, uh, said that he wanted to spend time. He wasn't coming to play at the Olympics for Australia. wanted to spend time at home in the US uh, working on his game. Well, he has been working on his game. And look, his game is in great nick. Just not his, just not his basketball game, unfortunately. Spotted at Wimbledon with, uh, I think, a, an English television presenter. And they were very much enjoying themselves. What did you make of the Australian reaction to Ben Simmons being seen at Wimbledon? <laughs> look, I can, I can understand why Australian and Boomers fans were a little bit miffed at the fact that he in fact wasn't working on his game at home in the oh, US he was working. Uh, and uh, was, was doing a different playing a different game uh, at Wimbledon um, but realistically like I don't know what his schedule is but he could have nipped over with his new girlfriend to visit his new girlfriend for a week in England watch some tennis um, which is a much different commitment to playing the Olympics as far as uh, you wouldn't have thought so I didn't find the Australian reaction it's one or the other yeah, so I think I think a few people are, uh, I think, being possibly a little harsh on on Simmons based on that. Like, uh, you know, he's probably just having a a week off before he gets back into his training. No, I think you just got to leave him alone at this point. He does what he wants to do, and if that's what he wants to do, good luck to him. I'm not going to be like, upset about it. He's like one of those mates on the, uh, and we've all got one where 
you want him to get on the piss. It's you. And it's, no, it's not me. It's you. Wait, no, I'm the opposite. You want him to get on the piss and um, they're a little bit, they're just conservative about drinking or whatever. And then you you get stuck into them and the more you get stuck in, the more they dig their heels in. And some people mm, you just got to let yeah, go. True. If they decide to do it, they, they won't be peer pressured. Yeah. It has to be their idea. So. No, that is fair enough, Manders. And just before we get to our hot takes, I do want to ask you, because the NBA playoffs are on, we mentioned this last week that you actually spent some time in the States, in particular in Colorado. What was your sporting adventure? I only want to hear about sport. What was your sporting adventure like during your time embedded in the Midwest? It's not the Midwest, is it? It's in the Rockies. Not technically, but it, it, it is geographically in the Midwest. <laughs> it always, con- always confused me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to go to quite a, quite a bit of sporting action. Uh, I went to quite a bit of college football. Mm-hmm. What did um, you say? Colorado State. Ah, yes. Uh, I was... Oh, sorry. Uh, Rams. 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 Um, seeing Colorado State versus University of Colorado, big rivalry at uh, Mile High Stadium, which is the Broncos, the Denver Broncos home stadium with 70,000. That was pretty good for a college game. Um, and also went to a couple of NHL games with the Colorado Avalanches. Uh, sorry, uh, Denver Avalanches, Colorado Avalanches? Colorado Avalanches, yeah. Colorado Avalanches, sorry. And the, and Denby, uh, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA, so... Got to see quite a bit of US sporting action. See, I find this quite interesting about you is that you are a very, like, you're a committed sports fan. You love watching sport. But young men of our age, let's just say late 20s, are generally, stereotypically, very committed to watching US sports and enjoy watching US sports. Do you think there's a reason perhaps you're not as interested in US sports as you are in others? Because you are, you're quite unique in your sporting fandom compared to your interest in, in US sports? Yeah, it's interesting. I've thought about this a fair bit, actually. It's plagued me uh, over the years. I, look, I, really enjoy, I really enjoy watching... Uh, I think the ice hockey live was yeah. a lot better than watching on, on TV. I'm told it's the best sport of the, the big four to watch live. Well, it's just easy to track it. I think on TV, sometimes you can lose the puck, whereas live, uh, I found it a lot, very enjoyable. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, stuff like hockey, though, ice hockey and, and, and basketball. They lack that, that midfield battle, that midfield competition that other sports, especially, you know, AFL, hockey, um, soccer have here. Um, well, not here in Australia, but just in general. And I think it's because of that zone defense, you know, in basketball, you lose possession, ice hockey, you lose possession, you, you mm. head back to your defensive third and you set up your your um, your defensive structures rather than sort of a contest to, to win back possession in the midfield. Like if you compare it to AFL, it's a huge, it's a huge difference. And that doesn't mean I don't, don't like the sports, but I don't, I don't get as, as into them and follow as, as aggressively as I know some, some people do. It doesn't, and just to follow that point, it's one of the things I've always been curious about with US sports. There's not as much of a struggle with US sports in the sense that it's sort of a grind, a battle, because the other team always gets the ball back. Like, their sports are designed to get either the ball or the puck back. You think it's it's sort of an, it's quite an antithetical notion to us in Australia because our sports, rugby league, like, yeah, okay, you kick off and you give the ball back, but... You know, you 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 can pretty much hold on to it for as long as you like. We're in basketball and and obviously baseball. You can't NFL. Yeah, you kind of can. That's probably pretty similar. But yeah, the sports are all designed to get the ball back. So there's none of that. 
real gritty kind of struggle a lot of the time. It's talking shot clock type yeah. things. It's 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 an unusual mm. unusual uh, concept for us. I thought. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder how that started. Is it at, at a kids' level because people weren't having enough time, so they just gave them the swap the ball over. I don't. Are you one of these people? I saw this article earlier in the week. Oh, yes. Here we go. That they're thinking of standardising removing sport uh, scores from all junior sport around the country. Are you one of those people that agree with that? I don't think it's black and white. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, no, I think that uh, in in some situations it's unhelpful to have scores, but also um, in some situations kids kids want scores on the board. So. Um, I don't know what the answer is to that. I think I don't think you should have completely no scores, and, but I do see the benefit in, in some games not being scored and just being about having a crack. <laughs> All right, Pandas, time for some hot tag time machine. And look, it's 2-2. It's getting towards the business end of the season, and I'm imagining that I'm going to start streaking away from here. Be lucky if you score uh, from now on, I would have thought. Yes, well, look, it is two all from about 30 attempts. So scoring's low. Both teams really grinding out that defensive mindset. Real Sydney, Sydney St Kilda 05 areas. Oh, good. I was going to say not anymore. The Swans are attacking <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, last week, Tails, what was your take and why was it wrong? Uh, my take last week was that WA would have less, oh, sorry, that Tasmania would have more AFL games than WA because I was banking on Mark McGowan sticking fat to his, uh, to his previous uh, draconian measures, but unfortunately didn't come true. So somehow Perth have just squeaked in. They've just got the Monday night game, which is going to be a cracker. Are you watching the Eagles North on a Monday night, eh, Vance? Oh, well, I mean, North, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Eagles could pump North because of they've been so bad, but I think they could North could pile it on and Eagles could get pumped again. So look, I won't be watching, but I look forward to probably checking the scores. <laughs> Uh, what do you got for us? Oh, sorry. Now, what was your take from last week? Well, I actually, Tails, have taken the lead with my hot, hot take. <laughs> what? I, uh, I said we'd be uh, recording the podcast with the this new news crap. that England have made it through to the Euros final against oh, Italy. Oof. I didn't say against Italy. I just said they'd make it through to the final. So, 3-2. All right. If you want to have your reheated microwaved takes counting as hot takes, fair enough. Want to go out on a limb like that? Go for your life. What do you got for me this week? Well, Tails, I've got it's coming home. It's coming home. England to win. Don't be like this. England to win the Euros against Italy. Southgate, the manager Southgate, to make up for his 1996 missed penalty in the Euro semi final against Germany. It's going to make up for it. It's coming home. England to win the Euros is my hot, hot take. That a very disappointing hot take, Vanders, to be honest, because it's a binary take. It's a 50-50 take. It's not, it's well, not if a hot you take know, If you know English soccer, it's much less than 50-50. <laughs> Incredibly brave. Uh, that's what I like to hear. Uh, Vanders, my hot take is... Oh, Jamara Yugo-Hagen is debuting this weekend, the number one pick. Exciting. My hot take is he has less than five disposals. Well, Tails, I hope not, because I've just... Jumped him in the team for Supercoach. So hopefully he has five 30 plus and kicks five. Wouldn't it be great if he did? Well, Wouldn't it be great if like, if he just tore it apart and all of a sudden Josh Bruce, who's nearly leading the Coleman, can't get a run in there? Yeah. 
in their finals team. It would be good. So we'll be able to review that and my Supercoach performance next week. Look forward to it then, Vanders. Anything before we get out of here? No, just looking forward to football coming home. Yeah. All right. So let's go.